Father. Uh, just come to you for our our friend, our brother, the, our Marine, who's over in Iraq just uh, right now, who knows, in a tent maybe, maybe standing out in the field. I don't know where he's at, but I just ask for a hand of protection on him. Lord, that you would send two or three angels even now just to be around him, to encourage and minister. Maybe he's tired. Maybe he's growing weary. Maybe he just wants to come home. I just ask you to comfort him, please, Father. And that he would sense our prayers, that he'd be encouraged and built up to keep sharing the gospel and proclaiming your name, that Bible study that he has going on there, that that would happen and it would be a powerful time. The worship would go up, prayers would be lifted up to you, and he would be blessed as he brings forth the word. We pray for Ken Hoban, God, as he sits in prison, that he would be set free. Lord, week after week, day after day, I'm sure the days are like a blur to him now, Lord, just trying to figure out when he might get out. We ask that he would be set free. We ask that your hand would go upon him as he sleeps and that he would have rest as he doesn't get to see his family often, as he doesn't get to be home next to his wife, who he's been married to for probably over 20, 25 years. Oh, God, please be with that man. Protect him, keep him safe. Yes. And Lord, I pray uh, continually for the Lori family here, God, at this church, that you would give them strength as their son was taken from them, brother, husband, that you uh, would strengthen continually. Peace would come. Be glorified. In Jesus' name tonight, amen. 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 Uh, I want to have a brother come up and just testify a little bit about his trip and what had happened. Yes, our brother uh, Tyler Bianco is back with us, which he was just on. It was a month journey. Month journey, come. Let's welcome Ty, huh? Come on. Yeah. Well, hi, everyone. It's so good to be back. Like, I mean, it was great being gone, and I mean, the Lord did a lot of great stuff, you know, in my life and in other people, but uh, I miss the family so much here. I just wanted to be back so bad, so it's good to be back. But yeah, I was gone for a month. And uh, I know Josh shared a little bit about uh, some stuff that went on um, in Nor- while I was in North Carolina. And uh, North Carolina was sort of the destination for me and, a f- and my friend Brennan. Um, we sort of, that was our purpose in, in going and the rest was just sort of a, a time just graduating high school, kind of get out on the road, experience life a little bit and, uh, and serve the Lord while doing that. But our, our purpose was to go to North Carolina because last year uh, I went back there with uh, the Harvest SWAT team here, and the SWAT team is a, a group, uh, they're called Students with a Testimony, SWAT, and uh, they go out on the streets and just, man, share Jesus with people on the streets. Well, we went back to North Carolina a year ago and uh, set up a SWAT team at this church in, in uh, a Calvary Chapel, Cary, in North Carolina. And so I wanted to go back there because I'd heard that, uh, that the youth group there had sort of died. And uh, so I get back there. And uh, I get back there on a Wednesday, and I spend spend the, the evening with uh, with a couple of my brothers there in North Carolina. And, and the next day, uh, th- uh, Thursday, we were supposed to have this big thing, this huge Bible study. And they'd been advertised for a month out around there. We're talking Facebook invitations, flyers, everything. And not one kid in the entire youth group of 100 people showed up. And it was like, well, there you go. But... Uh, but the Lord had a little different plan for that day, and uh, I want to share that with you right now, just to encourage you. Um, 
there was a, a guy there, his name was James, and he had gotten there just before I did from Newcastle, England. And he had come back to hang out with a buddy of mine, Chris, pretty much the only person I knew in North Carolina. And uh, so as I was hanging out with Chris, I got to hang out with this guy, James. And uh, from the moment I met him, I shook this guy's hand, and the Lord spoke to me like he's never spoken to me before in my entire life and said, you know, he's why you're here pretty much. And it was like, well, all right, there you go. And uh, so on Thursday, we were hanging out in, in our hotel room, and uh, James being from England, uh, he was a habitual smoker, multiple packs a day, it sort of happens a lot there, you know, lots of smoking, lots of drinking, really bad tea, I don't know, stereotype, I guess. But, uh, but he went down to have a cigarette in the, in the lower garage, and I went with him, and uh, just to kind of hang out with him, because, hey, the Lord told me to talk to this guy. So I, I sat there, and, uh, and I'm... I knew I needed to talk to him, and I'm like, Lord, are you sure I should say this? I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step out and feel like an idiot. But, uh, but I did, and I, and I said, So James, what are you running from? And he, and he stopped and he looked at me like, sort of like, deer in the headlights look, and he said, What'd you say to me? And I said, I, I can, I know your heart's broken, and I know that you blew all your money to come to America to run away. What are you running from? And he, like, had these huge eyes, and he said, no one's ever seen me before. And I'm, like, starting to back up. I'm, like, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so scared. I don't know what to do right now. It was a total shot in the dark. Didn't mean to take a nerve. But, uh, but the, Lord knew what, the Lord knew what I was saying. The Lord knew what this guy needed to hear and needed to be said to him. And so I spent the next two hours with this kid, James, just unpacking his entire life. Now, I've known this guy for a total of four hours and he looks at me at the, or about eight hours now after this two-hour conversation, and he looks at me and he says, I know nothing about you. You know, I, I've, I've known you for, for just a few hours, but you know me more than anyone on this entire planet. You know, and I just got to pour into him and share with him just, you know, things that he's opening up to me that he's never said to anyone before, that he's never got off his chest. And uh, there was true change in, in this guy's heart and in his life, and I got to spend the next week with him, just constantly encouraging him, encouraging him and pouring into him. And uh, I, I can't even tell you how lit up this kid was, and that was just day one. And then, you know, the, the rest of the time in North Carolina, I just got to do exactly that, pour into people. You know, there's a handful, about six or seven uh, guys and girls that I'm keeping in contact with. You know, I call or email every day. And I keep in contact with these people. Why? Because, well, that's what the Lord's commanded us to do. And He's told us to go and make disciples everywhere. You know, and so that's 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 what we need to be doing. And so I want to encourage you with that. It, you know, discipleship, you don't have to go to some country, you know, some far-off country. You don't even have to go across the country. But discipleship is crucial. It's so important. And I just want to share one other story. I know Josh shared a little bit of it with you, but you get to hear the whole story now. So that, that event that we were supposed to do on Thursday that nobody showed up at, we rescheduled it for the next Tuesday, and I told everyone that coffee and donuts were going to be free, and guess what? 15 people showed up. It's like, I guess that's what happens when you offer food. But you know what? They got more, than, they got more food than just donuts. I spent the next six hours with these 15 people, guys and girls. Six hours, it was the most intense day of my life. I, I wanted to pass out at the end. I don't know how they felt. But uh, I taught four, four sermons, you know, about 30 minutes long each. Some were a little bit longer. 
and uh, which is the most I've ever taught in one day in my entire life. It was the most I've ever prepared for in my entire life. And uh, but I taught you know or four sermons you know over six hours, and my friend Brennan uh, played more worship songs than he knew. And uh, <laughs> but we spent a whole bunch of time just going through the Word, and I I went through the the four studies were loving God. You know, the, the first and greatest commandment, as Christ puts it. The, the second study was loving others, because Christ said that, that, that that's the second greatest commandment in all of Scripture. I went through the importance of knowing the Word, something that Josh talks about so much here, and I'm so blessed about it. The importance of knowing the Word and studying Scripture. Why? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Why? Because he rightly divides the Word of truth. And we sing it all the time. You know, and then the fourth study I went through is on living holy and humbly. And on the invitation that went out on Facebook, uh, the two people that coordinated the whole event for me, my local contacts, had put that there was going to be a baptism available. Well, by this time, six hours later, I'm very weary. And I can see it all on their faces that they're very weary. We've just gone through a lot of heavy, heavy, heavy things. And so after the worship was done, I said, well, I, I guess that's about it. Um, I know that, that there was a baptism offered, and if you want to do that, we can do that. Um, but I'm not going to go stand out in the water, you know, if, if nobody wants to do that. So if you want to get baptized, you know, just come up and tell me, and, and we'll get to that. You know, just like just like Philip and the, the Ethiopian eunuch. You know, is there no there's some water? Is there no reason why I should be baptized? And Philip said, No, let's do it, man. In the the Tyler translation, and uh, so this kid comes up to me. His name is Adam. And I was like, hey, Adam, how's it going? And he said, hey, well, if, if you don't mind getting wet. Adam was about 15, and I said, oh, Adam, I don't mind getting wet at all. If you want to get baptized, man, let's do it. So we got the family together, and we walked around this lake that we were at to a little beach area. And I walked out into the water, and I talked with Adam, and I and I prayed with him about it, and I baptized him. And, and as he walked out, I started to walk out with him until another young man walked out into the water. And I, I, I was sort of stunned. I was like, so are, are you going swimming? And he said, no, I, I want to get baptized. And I said, well, all right, man, uh, let's do it. And so I walked back out with him and, and talked with him and prayed with him about it. And, and I got to baptize him. And I started walking out again. And as I was walking back out of the water again, another kid came out. And he started to walk into the water. His name was John. Now, John was only about 13 years old, maybe just 12. And I said, John, are do you want to get baptized? And he said, yeah, I do. And I said, John, are you sure you know what you're doing? And he said, yeah, yeah, I, I know what I'm doing. And I said, all right, John, let's do it. And so we talked about it. I prayed with him and I baptized him. Now, by this time I learned and I just kind of waited out in the water. And in that time, I got to baptize half of the crowd that came out, six people, you know, that, that I got to baptize. And, and the best part about it, family, was this, was that these people that I was baptizing, I mean, I've seen tons of baptisms, you know, up at camps and, and, you know, with the church here. And, you know, I've seen it a lot, but I could see in every single eye of those of those kids that I baptized, I could see their hearts. And I got to spend the next few days with them, and I've been able to stay in touch with them, and I know that their lives are changed. And so that made my, you know, any uh, expense of any trip worth it. That was worth a million bucks to me. But, uh, you know, that was only the beginning of the, the Lord's journey for me. And, and the rest of the trip, he, he just spent a lot of time working on me. But, frankly, that's between me and him. 
And uh, I just want to thank you guys so much for praying for me because the Lord did such an awesome work there in North Carolina in these kids' hearts and in their lives. And this youth group was greatly impacted and greatly moved by it. So thank you for your prayers. And it was definitely worth it. And that's definitely for those of you who, re who remember to pray and who prayed here. That's definitely fruit in your account. So uh, thank you, family. And with that, Josh. Yes! What the heck? Man, Baruch Hashem, man, I just praise God for that. <sighs> you know, Ty, 18? How old are you? 18. Ty's 18 years old, traveled across the stinking United States to a minister, to a youth group. It's like, let us not despise the youth. And uh, I know Ty doesn't think he's young, but hey, I'm balding, and... Uh, <laughs> young to me, and I remember when I was 18, and I wasn't thinking those kind of things, I mean, yeah, I wanted to minister to people, but man, that seems like something only pastors do, and that seems like something only adults do, old people. Go in the name of Jesus Christ, baptizing and making disciples of all men, all women, and we are all called to that. And I love that that struck my heart again. That we are called, why is he keeping in contact? Why is he staying in touch? Because we're called the disciple. And many of us here have failed in that department. For if there has been people that we have brought to church, people that maybe we have encouraged, people that maybe we've sought after, and they've been stirred to chase after God, but we have what? Let them go. We have not stayed in contact. We have not pursued them to a place where they say, hey, kick back. I can't do this Jesus thing right now anymore. I, I just, it's too much for me. I'm not ready to give my life over to God. And man, my heart is convicted because I know how many guys have walked through my presence and many guys that have sought after to be discipled and encouraged. Wow. We are called to do that. And I know there are many here in this crowd Maybe you think, I know Ty, maybe a year, two years, three years ago, wasn't thinking he was going to be baptizing people in North Carolina. God is bigger than what you think. He can use you, okay? And He can use you in great ways. I never thought I'd be the guy here standing here teaching Bible study. Gosh, I, if you knew me in high school, you know, I just, I don't know, I, just it really is amazing i never thought that i'd gone the places that i've gone and do the things that i've done and impact the people i've been i don't understand why but i'm telling you that i see that i do see the same heart and tie that i saw in myself and i just simply said this i don't have jack to offer but if you'll take this ragged guy really doesn't know much isn't successful in much whatever you want i sin i mess up I do a lot of bad stuff, and I just keep saying, God, I screwed up again. Will you use me? Please, just, for, just wipe it away, and just I'm ready to get back going straight ahead full blast. And if you're willing to do that, I believe that God will take you places you can't even imagine. God wants to use every single one here, every single one. You are not called to sit in a Bible study week after week. You are not called to just sit there in your room and pray. You are not called to that. That is only half of what you are called to, studying the Word. 
you are called to go and make disciples of all men. And some of us, many of us, I know that is, hey, this is the church I go to. I work at this place. And I know that 90% are doing just that. They come here. They have a relationship with God. They sit in the pews and listen week after week and do nothing with what they have heard. We are called to greater things. Gosh, he went across the United States to go minister to sing 15, 16 people. One guy. You know, that guy James will never forget that for the rest of his life, huh? Never. The changing moment there in his life. He'll never forget it because somebody drove from California to go and talk to him. We've got to be available. Maybe you've got all these plans for your life on what you're going to do. You better change them. God's got bigger plans for you than a good job making money. I'm telling you. He's got bigger plans for you than even raising a family. He wants you to minister to that neighbor across the street that wants to kill themselves. He wants you to help out Joe Party who can't find happiness. Just one more will make me happy. He wants you to reach out and be praying for that person who has cancer and can't find any hope. I'm telling you, it's where life is found. And God is trying to do a work in us even tonight through that testimony. I want to see every single one of you guys just come up. Josh, you got a testimony to share. Yes! Yes! That's what we are called to. Alright? I love you guys, man. I really want the best for you. No more screwing around in this life. It's short. Look at this, man. Ty, he's so young. What are you doing, man? I just keep thinking that, like, 18. How many 18-year-olds? Let's go over to Martin Luther King High School and see how many 18-year-olds even think about somebody else other than themselves. Huh. They're trying to get a girl. Trying to make money so they can get a big truck and raise it up and all the rest. Just like, it just, they don't give a rip about the people around them. It's just classic, isn't it? That's the world. But God has called us to greater. And I don't want to, I'm not trying to put down and mock and laugh at it. It ain't about that. I'm just saying for you guys individually, God wants to do great things, all right? And He will. If you say, here I am, if you say, I'm available. I dare you, go take a walk in the parking lot. Go, God, here I am, use me. What do you want me to do? Show me, open my eyes. I'm ready. Whatever you want. God will use you. Let's ask Father to bless our time in the Word tonight, huh? Lord, man, I'm just so blessed by Ty and encouraged even. What a disciple. Man, Lord. And Lord, I don't exalt him because he would even tell me not to. He would say to exalt you for you are the one doing the work in him. It's you and you alone, Jesus. It's you the one who takes a bunch of losers who don't want to seek your face who don't want to walk close to you. And you take us and cause us to be able to impact the people around us for the better, to help them in life, to love in a way that they can't even understand. Who drives across the United States to minister to someone? Nobody does that. People are out for themselves. That costs a lot of money. I want to go on vacation instead of spend money on going across the United States to go minister to a small group of kids. 
that's only your love. That's only your doing, Jesus. And we're so thankful, Father. So thankful, Lord. That you would reach out your hand to touch. That you would reach out your hand to impact. It's by you and you alone. So would you speak to us tonight? Would you open our hearts to your word? Show us who you are. So that we would be encouraged and motivated to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And many of you are old. Older than 18. Maybe you're thinking, snap, I've wasted so much already. Yep, yes you have. And I'll rub it in. Because I want you to change. I want you to be encouraged. Hey, me too. I've wasted a lot of time. And you say, Josh, you've done a lot. No, I know the things that I've missed out on, the opportunities. And I hope that we would be encouraged to recognize that time is short. For some reason, God has allowed you to not move forward up to this point. Maybe just so you would be purged and pushed and encouraged in this moment more than ever before because you would look at your life and say, man, I can't do this anymore. i got to start moving. It's time to move. It's never a greater time than now. Look at our nation. The time is short. We'll be in Psalm chapter 23 tonight. Psalm 23. Yeah, you know it well. You do. You know it well. You hear it quoted at funerals all the time. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And it's always like in this eerie voice, you know, there in the movies. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the steel water. Yay! Remember, this is the this is the scary part. Dun, dun, dun. Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For I rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Right? The classic... Psalm 23. I don't think the Lord meant for this psalm to be lifted up in funerals everywhere. Uh, it's actually a pretty encouraging psalm. And I guess in a funeral you need to be encouraged, but it almost seems like it's like this this place of uh, eeriness and kind of like, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Like, we're walking through it right now, and there's evil around us because someone has died. It's like, no, no, that's not the... If you look at the context of this entire thing... It's talking about the Lord being a shepherd over us. You know what that means? If He's a shepherd over us, who are we? A bunch of dumb sheep. Um, the Bible does not compare us to lions, tigers, or bears. Oh my. No, no. He doesn't compare us to any one of those. Um, he doesn't compare us to dolphins. Monkeys? Absolutely not. Uh, he compares us to sheep, randomly enough. Sheep. He compares us to sheep. Interesting. The shepherd comparing us to sheep. Why? Well, even though, yes, we are smarter than, yes, the animal, for some reason, we do things that are very similar. We find ourselves walking in their ways. I think that would be a great class to put every single Christian through. They have to shepherd for one month over sheep. Just kind of watch them and the way that they work and how they work. And just try to keep them in order for a little bit and watch what happens. Sheep are dumb. You know, they will follow each other off of a cliff. Yes, they will. It's like one will just be walking, do 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 Oh, 
Oh, that's a clip. Okay. Uh, hey. <laughs> yeah. And the one just follows right after the other. They just fall off the cliff. They can't even if there's a if there's a bunch of green grass over there to eat, and they're standing on a bunch of dirt. They won't go and eat unless someone takes them over there to eat. Interesting. They won't rest. They won't lie down when they're supposed to do it. Hey, if the enemy comes, if a wolf comes or something, they would just all stand there as the wolf just eats every single one of them one at a time. Nothing. They have, they have no way of defending themselves. They're completely helpless. It's very funny. Because that seems like us many times, even though the Lord tells us that He will protect us, that He will take care of us, that He will provide for us, that He will lead us, guide us. What do we do? We're always freaking out. We don't know how to rest and take it easy. We don't know where to go and find and drink water time and time again, even though the Lord tells us. And so that's what we get to look at tonight. Exactly who our shepherd is and what he does for us is dumb sheep. Just hey, it's not an insult. It's just who you are. Me too. Let's just let's just understand this thoroughly that we are helpless without our God. Helpless. You got nothing without your God. And the man who says, "I will conquer this world without God," you're a fool. Because you look at the greats, you look at these guys who do try to conquer the world, and for some reason they end up in a loony bin, or they end up killing themselves. Drug overdose, Hollywood, it's just classic. They think that they will find the way of everlasting when God says, you can't, you're a dumb sheep, you don't know anything without me. The only reason you know how to love, the only reason you know anything that you know is because of me. The only reason you see, the only reason that you even breathe another breath is because I allow it. God is in complete control. He is the shepherd, and that's what we need to look at tonight. Psalm 23, David writing this psalm. Scholars uh, argue, commentators argue on where exactly uh, David is in his life when he's writing it. And the guys that I respect have chosen to say that he is writing this at a young age when he is there, yes, actually shepherding his father's flock. That's one special thing that David had as a young boy. And I wish I had it. I really do. I, I, I don't know if it could ever happen, but that'd be pretty cool. Just a shepherd, like for a month, you know what I'm talking about? Like Josh, that doesn't sound very cool. No, no, no. Just to understand what's happening. To go out in the field and just stand there and watch sheep and try to direct them and try to just like keep them together. I think that would be sweet. One thing that David was able to learn, and I bet he's got so many analogies. You know how much time you have to think when you just stand out in a field looking at sheep? How much time you have to just talk with God? I think our society distracts us so much like a helicopter flying across. You can't help but be drawn to the sound. As people walk across here behind me, you can't help but look at them. Distractions are everywhere. The cell phone's going off. The billboards, the magazines, and the grocery store, the TV... You can't help but be distracted all the time. To go out into a field and sit by yourself and just listen, yeah, that's powerful. To get out in nature and get away from everything, yeah, that's powerful. But this, because then you got to think about life, don't you? And that's a scary thing for a lot of people. They don't want to think about life. They don't want to think about theirs. They don't want to think about all the hard times. They don't want to think about the bad things. They don't want to think about their future. 
But to sit alone with God is one of the most powerful things you could ever do in your life because I believe He will speak to you in those still, in a still small voice, in those still times. So that's why this is a powerful psalm because I see David sitting in the field looking at these sheep, penning this, understanding who God is to him as a shepherd. Let's look at it together. And he opens it with just that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Stop there. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack anything. We know there in Psalm 84, I believe it's verse 11, the Lord says, I will not withhold anything from those who walk uprightly. Did you hear that? I will not withhold anything from those who walk uprightly. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack anything. And those who walk uprightly will not lack anything because he will not hold back anything from those who walk uprightly. God will give everything to the man that he trusts, to the woman that he trusts, but those that he does not, why would he give it? I think that there are many in the church that say, oh God, make me rich. God says, I will not make you rich, for it will destroy you. You will love money more than you will love me. And he will give funds to men that he knows and women that he knows he can trust, that will give it away that will be faithful to tithe, that will be faithful to minister with the giving. I believe it. And those of you, I remember Christian praying that prayer for me. I've shared it before. I said, Christian, man, just pray. I remember we were, I was doing insurance and I was asking uh, Christian if we would lock down this big account because the funds would roll in like never before and we'd be set. And I asked uh, Christian, pray that Father gives us the account. Christian said, this is my buddy who lives in Canada. This is one of the holiest guys I've ever met. He says, okay, I'll pray. Father, uh, just pray, Father, that you would give Josh this account and uh, that it would just bless them and you'd be able to use it for ministry. I'm like, yeah. And then he says, but Lord, if it's going to cause Josh to love money more than you, then don't give it to him. Uh, I was just like, don't pray that. <laughs> don't pray that part. You know, you're not supposed to pray that. But it's true. I believe that God will even allow the situation to come to us because what? He'll take away the money. He will cause you to struggle. Why? Because it brings you to your knees. God is a, the giver and taker of all things. He'll take it away. Because what? It will bring you to your knees. Yes. And I believe many times Father has done that with me. Many times. Because it's so easy for me. I have such pride. Like, I, this is the thing I struggle with the most. I just, I've always been confident in the things that I do and the places that I, the things I chase after and the place I go. And, uh, and, and, and I, I basically, I feel like I have a pretty good attitude about a lot of things. And so I just kind of just brush things off of really, it's no big deal. And I found that the way Father breaks me is just by taking away. Just like taking out everything from under me where I just, I can't do anything. Like, I, I will not pay that bill, or I can't fix my vehicle, and I'll just have to depend on people, for, or just random, crazy thing. A problem or a situation will come that I can't handle. Things will break out in my life that I can't fix, and I can't make better, and I have to get on my face. 
He says, the Lord of my shepherd, I shall not lack anything. And I want you to know this. If you feel right now like you're lacking in some department, know this, that you are not lacking in any department. If the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. You are not lacking. You think you need more, but God says you have plenty right now. I have you exactly where you need to be. Because if I give you more, you won't come to me anymore. If I give it to you, everything will be fine. Hey, when people's lives are going great, they don't need God, huh? It's so funny. When 9-11 breaks out, the churches were filled. Everybody's scared. When tragedy breaks out in a family, everybody runs to church. Everybody runs to God. But when things are la-di-da, they need God. And so if you're thinking, I'm lacking right now, you need to know this, that the Lord is your shepherd, and you should say, I shall not want. What I have right now, Father, is plenty for me. I know that you are in control, and I choose to trust you as shepherd and say you are giving me enough. Heaven is plenty, family. If you're closed in your house and everything is snatched from you, but you have heaven, you have more than, hey, probably 90% of this world. You have heaven. Heaven changes everything, doesn't it? You lack nothing. I was thinking about it today as I was listening to a man named Matt Slick. I was listening to uh, this apologetics ministry where he just basically answers questions and calls that come in. And he was just talking about atheists and people who say there is no God. And I was thinking to myself, when you're in that mindset, what do you have really? You only have what is in front of you and after it's gone you have nothing. There's no hope. It's like... uh, You basically, you live for yourself and you try to get as much as you possibly can. Why would you help somebody? Why? It only is good just for that moment, right? It doesn't last any more than just that. Like you just help somebody, game over. Okay. You constantly try to give yourself and give to yourself and give to yourself and give to yourself. Why? Because you have nothing else to live for. Just for you and me and I now. There's nothing else. And so, hey, they think they lack in all departments, and the only way to find satisfaction is just to take. And I was really getting into this mindset today about how I could see if I didn't believe in God and didn't walk with Him and didn't have the hope of heaven, I would live like hell. I really would. I would take advantage of everyone. I would take as much as I could because it's about me. Why should I try and help you? Why should I do anything? There's there's no greater reason. I just need to help me and my family, and that's it, and I really don't care about anyone else. What they don't realize is they lack in so much more than they can even imagine because they don't have the shepherd who causes a man not to lack anything because he's given them heaven. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You need to underline that. Check verse 2. He makes me lie down, maketh me to lie down in green pastures stop there. I like that phrase, makes me, maketh me. He what? Makes me lie down in green pastures. You want to know why? Because we don't like to lay down in green pastures. You're like, yeah, I do. Are you sure? Um, I think many times we don't like to rest and sit alone with the Father. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I see two uh, illustrations here. Number one, with Sabbath, with a day of rest. 
Um, many of you don't have a day of rest, I know. Uh, there is not a day that you set apart in your week where you say, I'm not going to do anything but be at rest and enjoy this day and let it be a day of fun and spending time with my God and just relaxing. Um, it is called Sabbath. It is called Shabbat. And this is not a command that you have to fulfill, but I would say that it is something practically in your life. God did not make that command for some random reason. A day of rest is something that every human being needs. You need a day set apart where you exhaust resting. And I have brothers almost encouraging me all the time to say, Josh, you need to get away, man. You need to go spend time by yourself. Get out of here. Get away. Go surfing. Yes, yes, go surfing. I will do that. I love that. Just being at rest on the water, just kicking back. As much as it sounds like a workout for many of you, I'm telling you, oh, it's just a blessing for me. And then just taking a nap on the beach, sleeping, going and getting my fried zucchini, which I love. And uh, man, just enjoying a day of just kicking back and doing nothing. Hanging out with my God, just having conversation with Him all day. Just exhausting rest. It is needed. And you know what? He will make you lie down in green pastures if you don't. Do you remember? Do you remember the Old Testament, the Jews? Remember the, the seventh year? They were to what? Every seventh year they weren't to work. It was a sabbatical year. They were not to garden. They were not to churn the fields. And what did they do on the seventh year? God had commanded them, do not do any work in the seventh year. And they're thinking to themselves practically, if we don't work in the seventh year, we're not going to make any money. If you worked a farm, and every seventh year God told you no working on your farm on the seventh year, what would you do? Huh? You mean I can't work on, I'm just supposed to rest? What about the money? How's it going to come in? God said, if you don't work on that seventh year, I will give you double you will have more than you could ever imagine if you obey this command. And they did what? They didn't do it. And I, I can't remember how many years. Does anybody remember how many years they didn't do it? Ty? Well, there were 40 years. Uh, 70? 70, that's right. 70 years. For 70, for 70, oh, I can't remember. For, 400, for 490 years. For 490 years, they did not keep Shabbat that year. And that, is that right? And then, yeah, for 490 years, they didn't keep it, keep the Sabbath, this sabbatical year. And that equals how many years? 70 years they didn't. So what did God do? He said, I will give back those 70 years. You will go into Babylon for 70 years. You will be imprisoned for 70 years. You will be slaves. And I will give back those 70 years unto myself. And that's exactly what he did. God will give back his time with you, I believe, whether you give it to him or not. Hey, each week you can give him the time that he desires with you to lay down in the green pastures and rest, or guess what? He will break your legs and you will rest. Many of us here in the church maybe say that's kind of brutal. No, actually not. Because those who work all the time and do not spend time with God are almost wandering away from the flock. And you know the shepherd, you've heard it, the illustration before. The shepherd, when the sheep would go astray, he would walk up with his rod, and he would, with a rod which is a club, and he would break their legs. And he would pick the lamb up, or the sheep, and he would put it around his neck, and he would carry it until the legs are healed. Then he would take the sheep off his neck and put it down on the ground, and the sheep would never depart from him ever again. It would always stay close because it had been close to him for all those days that he carried the 
sheep. Many of you don't like to lay down in green pastures and rest, which it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. God is saying, if you rest, I will fulfill your life even more. Take a day off. You need to tell your boss, I can't work. I can't do it. This is a day set apart before God. You need to tell people, you know what, this is my day set apart before God. I choose and try not to as best as I possibly can to reject everything that goes on on Saturday. I, I'm not going to do it. Like, I'm not going to do ministry. I just can't. Unless boss is like screaming like, Josh, you got to do this. It's like, oh. okay. I give it up and I try to find another day where I can rest. But I'm telling you this. You need to have a full day where you lay down in green pastures. And if you don't, and you don't have that time with God, God will find it somewhere else. And that's the second illustration is this. Because many of you will not, many of you who are Christians who know God, will not spend time with Him in quiet time and not build your relationship with Him, He will get that time. And sometimes, guess what He has to do? Yes, break your legs. Yes, pull the carpet out from under you in your life, just so that He can get time with you. And I believe many times that's the whole reason why tragedy comes in our lives, is just simply so that we will spend time with God. Because when tragedy hits, that sanctuary is filled. There's a lot of people that come. But when everything's okay, hey, people don't care. i got to come to church. I don't need God. I only need Him when tragedy hits. He will make you lie down in green pastures. He lead me beside the steel waters. Oh, yes. God will always lead you in the right direction towards the water. Always! You think... God, my way is better than yours. Uh-uh, you're missing it. You think, God, I can make this relationship work? Ain't going to happen. You think, God, I can do this without serving you? Just don't get involved in this part of my life. I don't want to give this over to you. You're missing it. God's way is always the best way. Always the best way. The best thing that you can do in your life is say, God, here I am. I don't know the way that you want, but I'm willing to go the way that you want. Show me one day at a time. Show me. Lead me. I'm like a, a dumb sheep who doesn't know. Lead me beside the still waters. Show me that path. You'll be blessed. Look at the next verse. He restoreth my soul. He restores my soul. Did you hear that? There's nothing in this life, listen closely, there's nothing in this life that will restore your soul more than God. Not a wife, not a new car, not any kind of substance, not any amount of money. Nothing will restore your soul like the living God. Why? Because, hey, you were made to be filled by the living God. You were made to have a relationship with Him. It's like a car is made to do what? Run. How does it run? By filling it with gasoline. If you put dirt in a car, it will not run. And if you put dirt in this car, if you try to fill it with anything else other than God, you will not be fulfilled. You will not be full. I was listening to a message today by Francis Chan, and he was talking about his marriage and uh, relationships, and he was talking about a Christ-centered relationship. And he says this, 
my wife cannot bring me satisfaction and I cannot bring that to my wife and he, he started calling out a lot of different things like uh, if we seek God together then uh, we're going to have a great relationship if uh, we serve the Lord together in ministry we're going to have a great relationship no, no he just pretty much threw all that in the trash and said no it is not that it is my personal relationship with God that will restore me and give me air he gave this illustration he said it's like this. Many people in this world or in a relationship are trying to do this. Almost like each one of them is a oxygen tank and they're both underwater. Like say, here is my wife and here am I. And she is my oxygen tank and when I need something, I cling and I, I breathe, breathe, breathe from her. And then, hey, when she needs, she breathe, breathe, breathes from me. But he, he says that's absolutely wrong. It's missing the point. Both of you need oxygen tanks by yourself to be able to breathe because you're going to run out. You need to have your own tank and that tank is God and God alone. And if you think that you're going to find satisfaction in anything in this world, what are you thinking right now? If I can do this, I would be happier. If I could get this, if this would happen, everything would be cool. If this would work out. No, absolutely not. I dare you to chase after that thing and try and make it work out the best you can and watch when it works out. I will look you in the face and say, why aren't you happy? Why has this thing worked out for you? Look at all the things that have worked out for you in the past that you thought would make you and take you to the next level, but it hasn't. It's because God and God alone restores the soul. It is His oxygen tank you need to be breathing from day in and day out. There is nothing in this world that will give you satisfaction like the living God. He restores my soul. He is the gas my engine needs to make me purr, to make all eight, all eight, the V8 purr like never before, strong. And I think that sometimes, to be honest, I think, man, when I am married and I have my family, oh, you can't even imagine discipling my kids. It's going to be an awesome time, a grand time. It's always greener on the other side, isn't it? It's always a little bit more precious in the places that you aren't. It's classic in churches. I hear it all the time. Over at that church, things are so much better. Really? Well, go. Go. And let me know how things are in one year. Get on the inside, serve in the church, and see how messed up it is, just like every other church on the face of the earth. Well, when this happens and I get that raise, hey, I'm going to be able to pay off those bills and everything's going to be sweet. When I get this bill paid off, more money's going to be When I get this person, I'm telling you the grass is not greener on the other side, family. The grass is as green as it's going to get right now in your life. Because guess what? It will be only as green as you are taking in oxygen. As much as you are tapping into the living God right now in your life, that is satisfaction. If you're not satisfied right now, you're not going to be satisfied tomorrow. If you're not restored right now, you're not going to be restored tomorrow. You've got to tap into God, the shepherd. You've got to get close to Him. Amen? You've got to. And if you don't, you will not be satisfied, I guarantee it. All your days. It's something that I learned time and time again. Yes, me. Watch out. Sprinklers are coming on. We're okay. God's trying to restore us right now. A little cool breeze, a little bit of water, a little misters.
Christian, I don't care how long you've been walking with God or if you haven't been walking with God. Get this point. Please, get this point. The only way, today, right now, tonight, your soul will be restored more than ever is if you tap into God by yourself. Okay? That is the key to the rest of your entire life. It is with God by yourself. Jesus Christ in you alone. It's not through anybody. It's not through anything. It's with you and God. And you will not find satisfaction in your life. Hear these words clearly. You will not find it until you tap into God by yourself. You want to be restored? There's the answer. He restores my soul. Look at it. Read it with me. Verse 3. He restores my soul. Who? He. Shepherd. I can't stress that enough. He lead me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Which I've already touched on a little bit. It's God and God alone who leads you on the right path and no one else. If you think some person, some pastor is going to lead you. There are people who come in your life and influence and help and encourage, yes. But it is Him and Him alone that you need to be tapping into. Who would have told Tyler Bianco to go to the other side of the United States? Why is that burning in his heart? Why did he go and do that? I didn't tell him. I don't know who told him to do that. But he did the right thing. He went in the path of righteousness. And I'm waiting for the day when a generation like you wake up and say, stop tapping into me and saying, Josh, tell me what to do. Help me. What should I do here? No, go talk to Jesus about it, man. Go talk to God and ask Him what to do. And watch how He speaks to your life. You know... If I go to somebody else and ask them what to teach on and how to communicate to you guys, you're not going to hear jack, okay? It's going to be worthless. But if I go to God and ask for wisdom and ask Him to speak to you, you're going to receive the Word. It's going to come because it's come from Him and Him alone. Man, it's like ten times. Sorry. Huh? I should have known. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Yay. 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 Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Did you hear that? Yay, yes. You can uh, walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Why? And fear no evil? Because of the shepherd. And uh, when I walk through a valley of a shadow of death, I remember times, I mean, even when I'm walking through that, no, not really the house I live in now, but I remember just, when I was out in Mexico, for some reason, I always felt I would walk, take walks just in the middle of the night, and there's no lights anywhere, so it's just pitch black, and the only thing that's lighting is the moon. It's just pitch black out, and I, sometimes I just feel like so eerie, and I would just start quoting scripture. But there is no need for you to fear in any time in your life. You don't need to be scared, even though, hey, we are scared at times. It's not a put down. We all get scared. Let's just be honest. But you need to understand that God is with you. And the sheep don't need to be afraid because the shepherd, guess what, has what? Two things. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The rod is what? It is like a club to beat off the coyotes or whatever, the fox that come around to eat the sheep. And the staff is what? It's like a hooked 
It's a long staff. It's a rod that looks kind of like this, this giant stick that has a bent end on it. So that the shepherd could grab the sheep and pull them close. The staff comforts, it pulls close. The rod protects, the staff comforts. And both of those are given to us by the shepherd. Thou art with me. Did you see that? Many of you need to underline that. Thou art with me. And you maybe, let's say it together. Let's say it to God. Thou art with me. Thou art with me. Thou are with me. Um, to say that when you're alone is a powerful thing. You know? You know those times when you really feel alone? I've had a lot of those times. I think because such, I'm such a people person, like I like to be around people and like to hang out. Uh, there's When I'm by myself and uh, I can't find anything to do, no one can do anything, and God almost like cuts me off from the rest of the world and makes me sit by myself. Oh, sometimes it's scary. And I've always thought like, what if God wanted to send me to the other side of the world? But Lord, who is there? I don't know anyone. What am I going to do? It's verses like this that comfort when I can say, Thou art with me. Jesus and Jesus alone, that's all you need. I discovered this when I was alone by myself in Mexico for four months. I didn't know anyone. And I was away from everyone I did know. And I grew in my relationship with God like never before because I was alone. And sometimes you cannot grow with God until you are alone. 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 Many of you have a hard time being alone, and you need to be for maybe a short time. Uh, my buddy Ryan McGinnis just went to Africa for a month, and uh, he was alone out there, just working. Got to know a couple people, but he was there by himself. Wow. Uh, those of you listening, it's a helicopter going by. That's why I'm saying wow. Um, but I would challenge every single one here to get away by yourself. Get out of the United States. Get out of this place some way, shape, or form. Go up into the mountain, I dare you, and uh, camp by yourself. Girls don't do that. <laughs> Guys, go for it. Go strong. Girls, maybe you, a couple of you go or something like that. Carry mace, flashlights. And, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say a gun, but that's... <laughs> taser. 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 <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Taser. Taser. If you'd like to see one, she would love, Monique would love to demonstrate afterwards how to use it. We'll be holding classes over here on the side. I uh, know. But, you know what? Being by yourself is a good thing. Depending on God by yourself, powerful thing, Okay. Because these verses can come true in our lives. Thou art with me. For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I like that. In the presence of my enemies, what does he do? He prepares a table. Doesn't that sound great? It's like, 
there's the enemy like getting ready to fight and come down like with swords, maybe chariots and horses and all the rest. And the Lord just sets up a little table there. Here you go. Have a little meal. It's okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. Just have a meal, kick back, and just enjoy. What, do you think they're going to overtake you? Do you know who I am? I could just blow on them and they would pass out. Not because God has bad breath or anything. He could do that. He could do that. He's powerful. Isn't that a great picture? You know? In the presence of my enemies, you just prepare a table. Just kick back, relax, enjoy the meal. And you know, when the enemy is barreling down on me, in my life, in many different ways, in many different areas, through temptation, through attacks, through worrying and anxiety, I mean, all kinds of different ways. Hey, if you're innocent, just know that the Father is going to prepare a table. And you just need to sit down at the table, take some communion. You need to sit down at the table, the Lord's table, eat a meal, and just spend time with Jesus. Know that your God will fight for you. It doesn't matter how big the giant, He will defend you. I love thinking that. Because I truly believe that, I just, I feel it all the time. I tell my brothers, I feel like the enemy is trying to kill me. Um, anytime I try to do good, anytime I try to help out, any, it's just like he really tries to snatch my joy and just rip me and tear me down. And um, I just need to be reminded of this. And maybe those of you who are present here tonight, you hear me say, that, come remind me of that time and time again. Because... Even though you may not see what's going on here in my heart, I mean, time and time again, am I struggling and trying to figure out how am I going to work through this? How am I going to figure this one out? Maybe you need to come say, Josh, the Lord has prepared a table in the field. Go and dine with Him and enjoy it. He will protect you. In the presence of the enemy, there's nothing to worry about. There are some of you here tonight, maybe the enemy is your family. Maybe the enemy is your workplace. The Lord prepares a table for you and asks you to come and sit with Him. Amen? Let's close this up. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Wow! It's crazy. Father, knock him down! Just kidding. Don't strike me for that. Just kidding. Just kidding. Thou anointest my head with oil. Did you see that? <laughs> my cup runs over. There is only one in one alone who can cause your cup to run over. What does that mean? My cup runs over? It's almost, it, it, it's an expression that there is so much joy and so much within your life. It is like overflowing. It is coming out. Because why? God and God alone has anointed your head with oil, with the Spirit. And maybe many of you tonight need to be prayed. You need to have the oil dumped upon your head. Because the joy has been snatched from you, Josh, I need to pray a blessing on me. And you know what? That my cup would overflow. Do you know those times when you're like in the presence of God? It's just like, bam, it's just like coming out right now. It's just overflowing. Man, I see this in my buddy Reynolds all the time. He said to me the day, I couldn't believe it. I mean, he found good in the Coldplay CD. I, I couldn't believe it. He said that, he's like, Josh, New Coldplay C is sick, man. It's kingdom stuff. I'm telling you. It's kingdom stuff. I'm like, how's it kingdom stuff? What are you talking about? It's like secular man. It's like, no. It's like musics of all kinds and, and ethnicities and, and races coming together and just forming this thing. Unity, man. That's powerful. I'm just like, that's... Go Reynolds. 
always finding good in everything and finding the kingdom and looking for and maybe say, Josh, it's a stretch. Yeah, whatever. This guy's cup runs over all the time. Running over all the time. It's just, it never stops. He's like a fountain just beaming forth with life. And anybody who gets in the way, you're going to get splashed, man. You're just going to get like knocked over by the anointing that is upon this guy. And there's people like that. I feel the same way with John Corson. As he was here this Sunday, he taught in his service. And uh, I got to talk with him for a little bit there in the back. And it was just powerful. As I walked in there and he was spending time with the admin team here, and all the guys are like huddled around him, and I could just see, it's like, just the joy beaming and running over. It was just like, I couldn't believe it. Oh, I found these on Thank you, brother. Thank you. <laughs> Anybody miss any goggles? Uh, if you need to pick them up after. Thank you. Sorry, Casey. Um, where was I? Um, yes, yes. The joy overflowing from his life, man. I'm telling you. It's like just being around him, you're stirred. And so I remember sitting at the table. Eating dinner. It's okay. It's just goggles. <laughs> uh, speedo. Speedo goggles. Great. Those are expensive, I was just told. Um, all right. Anyways. Yeah, you know what? His cup just overflows, period. And uh, I would love to see that more in the Christian life, okay? There's a lot of Christians walking around just uh, uh, like little Eeyores all the time. Uh, life is never good. Problems just keep coming. Uh, it's like, get over it, man. You know, not to be insensitive. I know we all have problems and we go through it. But why is one man who has the same problems, maybe has more problems than I've ever seen, his wife taken from him and his daughter... And there's more joy beaming from his life than ever before. And it's a lesson for all of us. And we need to stop being yours, okay? It's not the Christian life. Yeah, it's hard to walk in righteousness. Yeah, it's hard to run from sin. Yes, and I believe we do get attacked more because those who chase God are going to be attacked. They're going to be tested. But I think that joy should beam forth in our life like never before. Maybe you need to have the anointing on you every day. You need to keep asking for a refilling. And maybe if the joy is not pouring forth from your life, I challenge that and say, what? Then maybe you're not being restored. And why are you not being restored? Because restore, restoration comes from who? Comes from Him. And you are not spending time with Him. By yourself. It is a secret to the Christian life. It is our outlet. It is what we are to plug into and receive energy so that our cup does overflow daily. How can your cup overflow in a marriage one day? When the perfect is when the, when the person is imperfect and messing up all the time, how can you how can a pastor's life overflow when all they hear? You want to know the biggest burden of a shepherd? It's hearing the people's problems. I'm telling you. Because this, you care for the people and you want the best for them, so you want to help and you want to pray for and you want to encourage. But can you imagine week after week just being told problem after situation after problem after problem after situation after problem? Oh man, just the only way the joy can overflow and the cup overflow continually is by plugging in and casting that burden upon Father. Do you understand? 
my cup runneth over because he's anointed my head with oil. Verse 6, and we'll close it right now. Have I gone way over? Ah, yes, Ty. Thank you. Yes. We will sing this one because, hey, those of you who know it, you know it. But those of you who don't, you'll learn it real quick. It's really easy. It goes like this. If you have the King James Bible, well, you know it well. Because, hey, you have the hymnal. If you don't, then you don't. And uh, you'll have to learn the words quickly. Okay, here we go. It goes like this. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I shall feast at the table set for me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days, all the days of my life. And hey, we can sing that. Why? Because it's true. Those of you who love God, those of you who have the shepherd, Jesus our King, guess what? Goodness and mercy are going to follow you all of your days. Isn't that a blessing? Isn't that a blessing to think? Seriously. All of your life, because you simply walk with God, you will have goodness and mercy all of your days. Man, just say that to yourself. Let's say it to ourselves right now. Josh, you just tell yourself whatever your name is, just say it. Josh, goodness and mercy are going to follow you all your days. Goodness and mercy will follow me all my days. Isn't that powerful? To seriously know that? That's a blessing. There are many in this world that don't know if goodness or mercy will even come one day in their life. It only comes from the one who is good and the one who hey, gives mercy. His name's Jesus. And guess what? I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that's a long time. Forever and ever and ever. How long is that anyways? Forever. It's, uh, it's like 10 years times 20 years times 30 years times 50 years times a hundred years, times a thousand years, times a hundred thousand years, times a million years, times a hundred million years, times a billion years, times a hundred billion years. And that's only the beginning of forever, right? Because forever is a long time, and how long will we dwell with Him in the house of the Lord? Forever. And that is a very long time. That's great, man. Now, what a blessing. We got great lives, you know? We have the best lives on this earth. And that's not to boast and sound prideful. It's just true. It's not because of us. We're a bunch of losers. Be honest. Okay, we don't got jack to offer God. Um, we mess up. We don't do things right. Hey, some of you are very talented in things. And you have something to offer, but ain't much. Because you betray Him and you walk away from Him. Me too. We're just a bunch of renegades I remember when I looked out over uh, when John was looking at us in the desert my shepherd there in Mexico I remember looking at us he called us he named us that he said you guys are a bunch of ragtag renegades 
He said, yeah, it's true. Just look at us. Look at this bunch. I look at the people that God chooses to use, and I'm amazed. Um, absolutely amazed. Guys who don't have much, but God gives them goodness and mercy all their life. He can change such a hard person, give them life. And that's what we have to offer this world. Did you know that? We have the sweet, guess what? If you had the gift of the cure for cancer, would you tell somebody? If you had the cure for AIDS, would you let someone know? Well, you have something greater than that, the gift and the cure for death. Jesus. Goodness and mercy. A place where you can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He has given us that, and He wants us to give that to the rest of the world. You are not called to sit here and receive this goodness and mercy all your life. Go give it to someone. Please. And if you're not giving it, shame on you. Because that means you have the cure for cancer and you're not telling anybody. My cure. I'm not telling anyone. All to myself. That's sad. We are to proclaim the truth through love. Amen. To who? You know who. Who are you to be proclaiming it to right now? Who? 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 Nations. Who else? Family members? Huh? Your neighbor. Your neighbor. Mm. Oh, uh, creatures. Creatures. Yeah. All creatures. All creatures of our God and King. Man, you know what? Preach <laughs> it. I'm telling you. You know, I. It's okay. I, I really, honestly think that the cows and the horses and the zebras, they know. They know who got it. I love going to the zoo because you just look at them and just like you know the king, don't you? <laughs> Does he walk around here every once in a while? Just let me let me know. Let me know. I want to be here if he comes by. Randomly, you see animals start to like bow and get on their knees. Like, what's going on here? Uh, zookeepers just laying down. They're tired. Oh, really? I don't know. But man, we got truth to proclaim. Um, coming to church and reading your Bible and spending time with God is only half the duty. That's only 50%. The other is yes. Man, uh, a program that we might start, or actually was trying to get started, uh, through Harvest Crusade is called Love Thy Neighbor. Love Thy Neighbor. And it's basically where we go into a city, into a society, and try to get them to infiltrate their neighbors and the people around them by going up and knocking on their door, by going up and building a connection, building a bridge. Robert, man, we got to do that in our neighborhood. We should find a way to connect, you know? Yeah, everybody's leaving. It's true. But, man, that would just be powerful. I could see that. You know, finding a way to really connect to our neighbors, inviting them out to church. It's not that bad. Hey, you just walk up the door. Hey, um, just want to let you know I'm a Christian. And uh, don't don't kill me. <laughs> don't stone me, please. Uh, don't fight me. But um, just want to let you know that I live like three houses down. If you ever need prayer or anything. Uh, I'd love to pray for your family or I'd love to pray for your friends. If you just ever want to come to church, uh, I'd love to be there for you. Wouldn't that be powerful? Wow. 
think that Father, that's great. That's a cool revelation. I think that's the word of the Lord for many of us. Wow. Love thy neighbor. We gotta proclaim the truth, okay? You gotta drive across the United States because somebody wants God wants to speak to somebody. Go for it. Don't just do it. Do it because God has told you to. Let me pray. Let me pray over us. Oh, Father, Shepherd, King. Um, Lord, what a great passage tonight. So much, and Lord, with all the distractions, and even in this atmosphere, and no amplification, God, just just different from the norm, a little hard to listen to, a little easy to be distracted and feel uncomfortable. Father, I just ask you to take the words that were spoken and that you would drill them into our souls. And that, God, that we would be encouraged and moved to really walk with you, to live for you. And that, Lord, truly this group here would be ones that take your goodness and mercy and show it to all men, to all women, to all creatures. Lord, here we are. Shepherd, lead us. Can we say that? Can we say lead us? Say lead it. Lead us, Father. Shepherd, lead us. We are dumb sheep. Acknowledge that you're dumb sheep. Acknowledge who you are. Lord, I'm dumb. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I need you. I need you to help me. I need you to show me. And I will go where you send me. If you lead me, Lord, I will go. And so, Father, uh, we lay ourselves at your feet and ask for specific direction in each one of our lives that we would further your kingdom, not only maintain it, but further it. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.